0: Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Today, we will be speaking to Nicola Crosby, who is a Chartered Financial Planner and Principal of Moran Wealth Management. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about things that matter in the world of financial services. My name is Rebecca Tomes and I'm the junior editor at IFA Magazine and joining me on the podcast today is my co-host and IFA Magazine editor Sue Whitbread. Today we're delighted to talk to Nicola Crosby. Nicola is a chartered financial planner and is actually SJP's chartered financial planner of the year 2021. Nicola is also principal at Moran Wealth Management up in Scotland. As you'll hear from today's conversation and just like us here at IFA Magazine, Nicola is a strong advocate for encouraging more women into taking up a rewarding career within financial advice and the planning profession. So Nicola, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to talk to you.
1: Thanks for having me. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Nicola. It's great to, to have this conversation with you about a topic which I know is close to all our hearts. Definitely. Um, I guess before we get started, I guess I should say that really this isn't just for the women listeners out there is it this is this really is as equally important for for may for our male listeners and readers of IFA magazine as it is for women and for For people to hear a woman like yourself and the perspective of what it's like to work your way up and become established as a financial planner, I think it'll be a really great experience to just tune in and find out a little bit more and trying to encourage more people to do that. So, um, shall we start with the, the the double burden then, which so many women face when it comes to the world of work in, in most careers and professions? And yeah. um, It'd be great to get your view on this. I know you're a member of three and you run your own business and you advise clients, so you're certainly walking the talk. <laughs> yes, indeed.
2: Um, I think the double burden is something that is prevalent in all professions, though it's not just um, sort of solely linked to financial planning. Yeah. it's definitely something that can cause a conflict for females that were interviewed in the research. Um, and personally, I think it, it's a challenging career, which can be super flexible, but you've also got to want to work at different times and try and juggle everything. Um, but what I found in my research was done pre-COVID, so it would be interesting to see how this had been impacted by COVID, whether it had worsened or whether having more... Males working from home had held the double burden, Mm. but it was a general societal thing, I think, came out that the role predominantly still fell to a female to do more of the work at home as well. So quite a lot of the people that I interviewed felt there was always that double tie where they had to be a mother be a homemaker, maybe have caring obligations up the way as well for parents, so not just yeah. for children. But yeah. even um, the females that were interviewed that didn't have children felt that they did the majority of the work at home and the domestic duties. Yeah. Um, so what we found as well is this can cause many people not to even start in the career. They just feel it's too much. Mm-hmm. You know, the culture of long hours um, doesn't tend to tie in well with this and the lack of part-time roles. So there was almost this sort of feeling that could they cope with doing the two things or would it just completely take them to burning point point? Um, and so yeah me personally it's it's a challenge I quite enjoy the role and that I can work it around all my other commitments but I would still say that yes I'm probably the organizer at home I generally drive everything that happens um, but I do find that I like the opportunity to pick up a couple of hours at night if I'm doing the school run or have something on with the kids during the day but I think it was something that people just felt the culture of our industry didn't lend itself very well to and um, mm. there was almost some comments about when you return to work after having children you were seen as a lesser person and
1: yeah. um,
2: yeah. personally I haven't experienced that but that, that came back with a couple of people um, and a couple of females actually said they just decided they couldn't be bothered with balance and everything so they didn't even pursue having a family so it's quite an interesting one. Um, I think something that did come out is that also we as females possibly still have that pressure to manage the home life and we feel it's our role. So that, that goes further on into some research of what's a male role and what's a female role. So we could almost be bringing some of it on ourselves if, if, if we uh-huh. ask for more support, maybe it would become more gender balanced as well. Yeah,
0: really interesting. Obviously, you just mentioned there the, the male roles and the female roles. I'm just wondering, how do you feel that gender roles affect the advice profession specifically?
2: Um, when I looked at a lot of research, and there wasn't a lot into financial services specifically, so you were having to draw on other professions like STEM, leadership, you know, all, all the other kind of male-dominated roles, um, and possibly there was more research on than financial services, it was quite apparent that you still found certain things fell into what was deemed appropriate for a male and what was deemed appropriate for a female. So it looked at the agentic qualities of a male and aggression, ambitious, you know, all the things Mm. that possibly historically have been associated with the financial services industry. When we consider what these communal qualities that we assume females have, like Helping people, building relationships, mm. kindness, yeah. empathy. Mm. Yeah. I don't think these features are seen as something that a financial planner does. Mm. Um, but I think personally that actually is quite an important part of their yeah. role. Yeah, it
1: is, isn't if, it? Listening yeah. is just
2: so crucial.
1: Well, I think women yeah. are particularly good listeners.
2: I think they are. I think um, I, I don't want this to be a generalisation against men at all. I think all Indeed. I'm looking looking to do is try and emphasize to females that it's a role that they may enjoy and they perhaps don't understand what forms that role yeah and if we could if we could open that discussion up a bit more then i think we would possibly have more females entering yeah. the industry um, because i think those parts of my personality lend themselves well to being a good financial planner
1: yeah yeah that's really interesting um i guess invisible barriers are there aren't they i just wonder what are your views on what they may be in the profession and whether you've actually come across them in your career or through your research.
2: Yeah, I think a major thing um, that still came through was was the culture or the cultural reputation, um, that it was exclusively male. There was a lot of male networking. Um, The tone from the top, some of the quotes were, do people, does financial services actually want to be gender diversified, or are they just doing it because they feel they have to? sort of the everyday sexism there were some examples of you know Mm -hmm. if you're going to network events sometimes people assumed you were the administrator not the oh yeah financial planner indeed yeah so yeah yeah I think I have experienced these throughout my 20 years career but I don't believe I've had a bad experience I think Mm -hmm. males have generally been very supportive to me but I do think it is there and you have to be quite a strong character to get through that or be very Mm -hmm. determined and 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 sure that this is the right thing for you, because I don't think it's for the faint hearted, which potentially is where we are sort of cutting out quite a big proportion of the society who are maybe quieter, more introverted, you know, who equally could be brilliant financial planners. Mm. So, yeah, culture came back that it was improving, but it still wasn't quite what it should be. And I yeah. think the things we're doing are helping, but not at any great speed. Because um, the research, when I took the statistics, I think it was 14.8% of regulated advisors, sorry, 14.2% of regulated advisors were female. And that was from statistics mm. in 2018. Mm. So I couldn't actually find a statistic, Gosh. an up-to-date one, but somebody's recently sent me one. There's been some research done, I think it was the Financial Times, and that's come back at eighteen percent. So there hasn't been a massive improvement. No. We're um, still in
1: the in the vast minority there of people, even if they were twenty percent, wasn't it?
0: Definitely.
2: Yeah, it's not it's not sort of going at any great speed. Um, some of the obviously the training academies have seen about thirty percent of females coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern, and it was it was something that I did explore in my research um, when I did my masters back in twenty nineteen. Was how do we retain people when they do have children, or they do come across yeah. life events like even divorce, caring for parents? You know, it doesn't have to yeah. just be about children. Mm-hmm. How do you retain them and support them through those life yeah. events to keep them in the industry? So it's all yeah. well that younger people are coming through, but will they stay when they possibly want to work part time or work yeah. less hours? Or how can we how can we work through that period? I think is what I would be interested in seeing long term with that helps the Mm -hmm. figures improve.
0: Yeah, so obviously we're unfortunately not seeing that female representation then as much as we want, I guess. But do you think that if we had more female networks and mentors and role models, that would actually have quite a big impact? And if if so, how do you think that would really change the industry?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think when I was younger, I found, and this is a personal experience, it isn't obviously to everyone, but I find sometimes other females were quite challenging to work alongside, there was quite a lot of negativity. Um, I think possibly that was the culture of being pitted against one another, you know. Yeah. So I didn't really have a lot of females offered that mentoring or role model yeah. to me. Yeah. So one of the things I aim to do is be there in case anyone would like a mentor or a role model to at least have that support. Because I think and someone said this to me once, if they can relate to you and see that you've had kids, you've managed to have a business. How can you do it? What tips can you give to help somebody yeah. along the road? The issue we have with these things is that some women don't like going to all-female mentoring things. That came through in that, you know, like the Hens Club, sort of people, did I say, being snipey to one another. But
1: yeah.
2: I think we yeah. need to get past that and realise we can all support one another and there is enough yeah. clients and there is enough opportunities for everyone to, to have a mm. part of. So that's one of the things I've tried to do is is really celebrate other people's successes. Um, But one thing I kind of suggested when I looked at all the different things that happened throughout the research that I did was could there be an element of cross-mentoring? Could we include other men um, to help and, you know, have advocates from them who are happy to take on the mentoring role Mm -hmm. as well? just to get people because the main mentors I probably had in my life were male and they were very very yeah. positive for me
1: yeah
2: so I don't think it necessarily always has to be just females on females it would be great if we could but mm. basically there probably isn't enough of us to do that mm,
0: true.
2: Um, and That's one true. of the reasons I think people don't do networking as females I know me personally I don't do a lot of networking is because you don't necessarily always have time because you're yes. trying to fit everything else in yeah Yep. So you've got to sacrifice some of your time so I I do um, volunteer for the CII mentor scheme for that yeah. reason I would rather spend my time doing that than possibly networking yeah. um, but things like LinkedIn are good for informal networking you do realise there's a community out there which is certainly more than I realised at the start of my career that there was a community of people just like you trying to do the same thing and um, so that's that's good i think mm-hmm. that you feel much more supported going forward
1: yeah definitely that's an interesting one isn't it
0: and i guess the more
2: people addressing this imbalance
0: and being involved in the conversation the better right so get if yeah. both genders can get involved that's
2: that'd be amazing and there is a lot of male supporters out there who yeah. believe mm-hmm. that females are just as good advisors as male mm-hmm. um I, there's probably some of the older older style older fashioned advisors that still think it's a male job but i don't I don't see there's a lack of support for for females coming in. There just seems right. to be females not coming in. So mm. I would go back to do they truly understand what the job involves? Mm. I think as an industry we can overplay the flexibility of the role.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feature in the careers talks, does it, at any early stage?
2: Not at all. I recently um went to a careers night with my son and nothing is mentioned particularly apart from the main accountancy solicitors teachers doctors vets nurses there's nothing about financial planners
1: yeah and it is it tends to be about working in a bank
2: (laughs) yeah possibly yeah yeah but i I found it was very limited and probably quite demoralizing for the kids that don't fall into any of those categories never mind a financial planner um, but I know at the start of my career, when I said I was a financial advisor, I called myself then to someone, a, a, a kind of acquaintance's father, that was shot down in flames because the reputation was so bad that we apparently steal money off people, were corrupt corrupt. And that really um, demoralised me at quite a young yeah. age. I, I didn't have the right answer to say then because I didn't have the confidence to say actually what we did. Yeah, But now... I've always thought about that incident, but I would never let that happen to me again. I would have an answer for something like that and I would, sh- would stop that conversation straight away. Yes.
1: Yeah. And the profession has changed dramatically. I think certainly the last 10 years since the RDR and increases in professionalism mm-hmm. across the board have made a huge difference to the way, not just what gets done, but who's doing it and the way they do it. Do you, do you find that too, Nicola? definitely it's
2: dramatically different and yeah i still think these a sales culture with certain people mm. or certain things but mm. i think the products now are more irrelevant and people realize it's about helping people and getting the solution to it you know the tax trap is a tax trap or wherever you go isn't it but it how, is, how yeah. you utilize that for a for a client certainly makes their life difference so yeah it is the sort of life-centred people approach, goals-based planning, becoming much more mainstream now, isn't it?
1: Oh, it is. Putting the client first is really something which you never saw 20 years ago to the degree you see it these days, which is a very welcome change, isn't it? It is, definitely.
2: And I think the professionalism should hopefully have some um, influence and making it a more viable career for females because I think yes. when they quite like that I personally quite liked getting the professional qualifications it's that external validation maybe yes. it helps the imposter syndrome a little bit you yes feel,
1: it does you feel like you, you know,
2: have yeah you've, you've got that validation that you're qualified to give advice yeah um, so for me Definitely. that that had a real impact on my confidence is, is becoming more qualified
1: so would you encourage more and more people, whether they're women or men, to Everyone, increase uh, their qualifications and go yeah. up to level? Because you're chartered, so you've got level six. Which yeah, isn't, level still six. isn't the
2: requirement. I've and have got and, um, fellowship as well now. So yeah. I, I, uh-huh. I think it's. I think it's a lifelong path, and I think unfortunately, I think people are trying to get to chartered just to get to chartered, but it yeah. should be a should be a road no. to continued development. Of course. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, very good. Very good point
2: but I personally um, think it should be minimum standard and and I yeah. speak to sort of younger advice and say just keep going because if you keep going you get there quicker strangely whereas if you stop and you start yes. it's so much harder to start definitely has you know, allowed you to deal with complex cases which are far more interesting and your yeah. job is more varied because of it
1: Yes, and the confidence issues too. So where yeah. you're technically equipped with all the information that you need, which all helps, doesn't it? No, that's interesting.
2: I also think if you if you have that deeper complex knowledge, you can identify more with your client, which solidifies the relationship because they think, well, my advisor is telling me lots of things. You know, you don't want not yeah. to tell a client something that someone else then picks up on because it doesn't look good, does it? And it weakens yeah. the client relationship.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, like like you, I was an advisor myself for twenty years back. Or started in the late nineteen eighties when it was a, it was a very different world. And the yeah. number of times people would ask me, so what qualifies you to advise me? And mm-hmm. that was before we had any examinations. So it was really hard to put any flesh on that. But I just used to say, well, I've got a degree
2: in economics, which had
1: absolutely nothing to do with financial (laughs) advice whatsoever, but it sounded to them
2: like I did. Yeah, Um, most people wouldn't have that to say, would they? No, I
1: know. But just the clients respect that and they seem to want that knowledge that who they're dealing with is a professional. So, Yeah,
2: I think one client said to me, it's apparent that you know quite a lot about things. And yes. anything that you don't know, we all don't know everything, do we? Or we, Indeed. we maybe don't no, no. know the finer details. Or we no, no. have a recollection something's changed.
1: Mm.
2: You know what where to look and what to do, and and yeah. how to answer a question, don't you? Much easier when you've got that yes, kind of deeper level of knowledge. Yeah,
1: yeah. and regardless whether you're you're male or female, doesn't matter at all. Just that striving no, to higher standards and learning more, getting more qualifications, can always be a good thing
2: and using your cpd as, as a, a learning tool for you i always remember someone tenting yeah. as well don't just do it because you feel you have to pick the things that are going to have the most impact on your yeah. working life yeah and and do that good type point. of cpd don't just do it to tick a box and yeah. i've kind of kept that with me throughout my career as mm. well good
0: point you are listening to ifa talk ifa magazine's weekly podcast Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at magazine.
1: Uh, We talked about gender imbalance, didn't we, Nicola? And I wonder, do you you see that as a particular feature of money and finance generally?
2: Yes, I think um, think it's changing, but I think generally when we come out of school, it's almost seen like the money is the, the male role and the female's role isn't the money. But actually, when you dig down, quite often it's the female that's running the household budget, and the male maybe makes the bigger financial decisions. Um, so that that is changing. But educating females on sort of investments, risk, you know, products—that I think we've got a bit of work to do on that because I think there's a fear factor, or it could be from childhood. You know, they've not seen their mums make decisions like that, so they assume it's not their job. Um, but Approach I kind of take is, you know, even if the male is the director of the company and he's out doing the work and making the more money, the female's opinion is equally as important. So I always try to make it a household decision, you know, that they do it between them so that then we are building the education uh, of females. But yeah, I think that there's still that kind of stereotype that is, is being broken, but possibly not as quickly as we need it to. So money is never something... That females pay as much attention to on the big mm-hmm. decisions like that. But we see obviously the gender imbalance from time out of the workplace for different reasons, causing females to be sort of potentially the poorer sex as, as life goes on. And, yes. And things like divorce.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. of assets. So yeah, I think I think there's work to be done. And I think as a planner or an advisor or wherever you position yourself, it's your role to make sure the clients build on their knowledge, isn't it? No matter how deep and detailed yeah. they want that to be. And yeah. maybe they just need to know the simple logistics of it. Um, but we should we should be working on that um to educate females more. Mm. Give them the confidence to make the decisions.
0: Definitely. Well one more thing I'd just quite like to Hear about is obviously you're a successful female financial plan yourself so maybe if you could share a bit about your own story I know earlier you mentioned you did a master's in wealth management at Loughborough University so maybe if you expand on that a little bit and also if you could touch on any professional barriers that you've faced and some possible solutions that maybe you'd suggest to our yeah. audience as
2: well Okay, I think like uh, most people, I fell into financial services. You know, it, mm. um, I actually studied architecture at university, um, but my oh, father did you? Yeah, did <laughs> well, <yeah>. My <laughs> um, father was a, a financial advisor who had done his basic financial planning exams and came into it later in life. Um, so I always did his admin. So I knew, I knew the industry. It was a very different industry in the nineties than it is now. Um, yeah. And I came out of university, I was a bit disillusioned with architecture. I, I I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I'm I'm quite aspirational. I think you should love your job. And I was hoping for something more than what what I was getting. um And then I had a surprise, and that I I fell pregnant, and I was only 21. So I thought, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I kind of um, need, need to get a job, and I need to take this seriously now. And I thought, right, I'll I'll do my dad's admin for a year and I'll do all my exams and yeah this seems okay I quite enjoy the industry and I did I did enjoy it I did see all the things my dad may not have been a complex financial planner but he treated people well and he looked after Mm -hmm. them and you saw the relationships that were being built he very much focused on mortgages and protection and I knew straight away that probably wasn't what I would want to focus on Mm -hmm. so it was a necessity and then I kind of advanced through mortgage advisor to protection advisor to full advisor and because I'd studied architecture and I'd started my professional qualifications I was quite keen to build on my degree and get the professional um, qualifications that I wanted so I straight away put myself on the road to chartered um, and I think it was chartered and fellowship in 2012 now Mm -hmm. Um, so i just seen it as a journey um, and it was something like I said that was flexible to a degree and that if I wanted to work three days I could do my five days in free and do three long days so it gave me some time with my son Um, and I actually loved it really really quickly I I loved meeting people Mm -hmm. I saw it as quite similar to architecture you had a problem you had to come up with a solution you had to build a relationship and get to know people really really Mm -hmm. quickly yeah and feel build that trust element and so I saw my age was a barrier I think at the start I mean I was only 22 Mm -hmm. when I started to advise um i did get that how can you know what you're doing yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so you just have to prove yourself you just have to really sort of do what you say you're going to do and and do it quickly and well and um the professional qualifications certainly help because you can see you were passing exams and getting through them and speaking Mm -hmm. about your, your own journey i think builds the trust with clients very quickly as well because you're sharing a little bit about yourself although it's very clear that you have to listen in the meeting rather than talk about yourself. But I think they do, you build a rapport quicker if they understand your your vision and why you're doing things. Um, So I've always just seen it as a continued journey and the masters kind of fell on me after I had my twins and I did initially go to start it when they were six months old. And then I thought, what am I doing? Oh, wow. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I took a sense check and I deferred it for a year. So they we were 18 months. And it just the Masters to me was about my business was growing. My dad had retired a good five years previously then. And I just wanted to be better at understanding how to run a business. So to me, I thought a master would fit quite nicely into that. Yeah. Um, and St. James's Place sponsored people to do it then. They paid for half the fees. So I thought, well, why not take advantage of it? And absolutely loved the fee, year part-time mm-hmm. Masters. Um, it kind of hit on different modules like leadership and marketing, and IT, and all the things that you need really to run a business that I think we're not that equipped for as financial planners. Yeah. Sure. It's not our skill set. So it built parts of my skills that I, I probably wasn't as strong on. Yeah. And um, then it came to the dissertation and the tip was pick something you were interested in. And to be honest, your mind goes blank. Do you think it's such a massive topic? You're interested in lots of things. Someone said to me, I think, pick something that you have a passion about. When I first started, I was probably the only female and one in 20 in a room, you know, Mm -hmm. but every hundred, there was maybe four women Mm -hmm. and I couldn't really understand it. So I thought, well, that is something I'm passionate about. And the honour effect of that is if there's more women, I think possibly more females would take advice. would, You've got that feeling from clients sometimes they, they were intimidated or talk, felt they were talked down to or didn't mm. relate to their advisor. So mm. to me, I think if we have a more relatable demographic, then we should have more mm. clients taking advice because there's still an advice gap, isn't there? Yeah. so yeah. I decided I wanted to explore that I thought as a financial planner I've certainly got enough people to interview be it clients or other advisors or other financial professionals so I had access to people to do some qualitative qualitative um, research and just really get to the bottom of the emotions around um, the role and why females aren't doing it so it was a great experience I really enjoyed it it was very very testing on time though I will say yes it
1: yeah. must have been must yeah, be
2: so now I think um, out of that I just try and push myself a little bit every year to keep my knowledge up to date or to have a new challenge um I don't do it for any other reason that for personal satisfaction just to say like I want to get to the top of my career and
1: mm-hmm.
2: perhaps be an influence for other people coming into the mm-hmm. industry or for them to realize it is as possible if you talk to me I'll always tell you the wars and sins and the ups and downs but I think it's a fantastic industry, and I think we do so much to help people that that really is underplayed.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with you there. This is something which is isn't so well known outside of the profession itself as to to how much help and peace of mind and structure that the advice profession gives to clients, and how it really empowers them to live the life they want to live, knowing mm-hmm. that behind the scenes, everything is stacking up. Yeah,
2: because, I mean, we, we focus as an industry and the regulator on the cost of advice, don't we?
1: We do. But
2: I don't think we focus on the value of advice, and I don't think yeah. cost is ever an issue if you feel it's added something to you or you feel that you are yeah. getting the benefit of it. Sometimes you get the odd client that don't value the advice, so I don't think they should be taking mm-hmm. advice, and I think there's plenty of opportunities for them to look down robo-advice or... It's, execution you know execute their own things yes there's there's so many different things that might suit them better but if you get someone that really does value that peace of mind someone to organize them to feel that they have a plan that's open to change but they know they've they've made some decisions to help Mm -hmm. their future which personally I think can only help the economy as well because people are going to become more financially independent and Mm self-sufficient yeah So, yeah, I think I think we should focus more on what what that advice gives you more than what it costs. Although the costs have to be in line with what you're doing, obviously.
1: Of course. Yeah. So, Nicola, I'm very aware that it's coming to the end of our chat for today. And so given the theme that we've been talking about today, I wondered if you had the power to change just one thing in the world of financial advice today.
2: What, what would that be? The one thing I would change is the career path into financial advice and the understanding of the role. Yeah. Because I think for men and women, we would get a very much varied uptake of people, mm. people with different skill sets, diversity across the board. Um, and not just because it's the right thing to do for diversity, but because it's the right thing to do for people, for them to understand the different roles out there. Um, so, yeah, I think if we could have some set career paths, maybe through university, if that's what people want to do, or through apprenticeships, yeah. I think we would open up the industry entirely um, to lots, oh, lots of different people.
1: It would be amazing, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah and I think it's probably quite simple to do. If, if we could all put yeah. our heads together and find a way, it shouldn't be too difficult. Yeah because there was not one person I interviewed in my research that said they set out to be a financial planner or financial advisor. Not many people had the similar career path to me where they'd went through lower roles and admin and, you know, different Mm -hmm. advisor roles. A lot of people had just ended up, as you say, working in a bank or Uh coming in completely through career change, which is good, but it also means they don't understand foundations of advice. It takes them much longer Mm. to get a grip of different parts. Mm. yeah yeah so, yeah I think it, I think it's about changing how how the role is perceived and how you can access that from an early age
1: well you're certainly doing your bit to to work towards that so hats off to you and that I know there are many others like you out there who are opening up and being um engaging with other people with across the profession to just try and spread the word about what a fabulous fabulous profession this is and as a career It has so many rewarding aspects. Nicola, thank you so much for talking to us today and for sharing your story and talking through some of the research that you've done. Uh, Certainly a powerful one. Uh, And I also hope that it will inspire more people, whether they're male or female, to put in the work and to progress like you have into becoming a financial planner and, and experiencing the rewards for themselves.
0: IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.